A reading from the book of Isaiah. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in, dread, will be deserted. The word of the Lord. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 on the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just then, when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph, Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. This is the words of our Lord. I want to thank Joe for lighting the uh, candle today. And I think it's only appropriate uh, that Joseph would, uh, would light the candle. And so thank you uh, for doing that. He, uh, when he was asking uh, about which candle to, to light, uh, and I noticed he had his LSU uh, shirt on. And uh, he said, oh, the LSU candle. I said the purple one. He said, oh, the LSU candle. No, Joe, it is not the LSU candle. Um, but and, and probably never will be, but uh, it is a... <laughs> that got you stirred up out there, didn't it? Well, college uh, football is winding down, isn't it? It's at that point when coaches are being fired when uh, players are either graduating or being recruited. Uh, It's a time when new plans are being made as uh, schools look to the future, as uh, the boosters of those programs are looking to the future, and they want to see something new happen. And so this whole wave of recruitment takes place and uh, plans are already being, being laid and the uh, schedules are being published about next year's seasons and, and everything is happening just as it should. There's all kinds of preparation that goes into that. And as we hear from our text this morning in Matthew, we hear about some plans that are being made. We hear about changes that are taking place as something uh, big is getting ready to happen. 
and as God is doing a brand new thing in the world. We see some people kind of disappearing and moving out of the limelight. And then we see others who are coming in that God is recruiting new people to be a part of a new plan. And certainly that is the case with Joseph. We could look at a lot of different characters in the Nativity story. Uh, And as we get into the season of Epiphany, we see even more that are being recruited and brought into this plan. But as we look at the Advent wreath, we think about what we've heard already of how Isaiah was calling people to be prepared. He was offering hope to them to say that there's going to be a better day, that God is going to bring forth a new plan and people are going to, uh, to be able to experience the joy of their salvation. And we uh, also talked about our role in that preparation and how we get to be a part of, of what God is doing. And we considered Mary's joy last week as we talked about the candle of rejoicing and what it means to celebrate. Even in the midst of a dark Advent season, in the midst of shorter days and just the dreariness that sometimes comes along with the weather this time of year, that we could find warmth and we could find joy. Today, we note how Joseph was included in God's plan. And as we think about Joseph, we can understand how God includes us as well. And I hope that uh, you still have your finger right there in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you there on the, the pew rack. And we're looking at Matthew's Gospel. Now, typically, in fact, next week or on Saturday, we will read from Luke's Gospel and his account of the birth. Matthew doesn't spend much time with it. He just kind of gives you the basics and moves right on to some other things. But he does give us some idea of what it must have been like. And he does put a spotlight on Joseph. And so this is what happens with Joseph. And as we look at his life, we see that there is a great reminder of how God uses ordinary people. I mean, think about it. What is it that you know about Joseph? There's not much, right? We think, well, he must have been a carpenter because Jesus, we understand, was a carpenter and these trades would be passed on from father to son or uncle or grandfather. Someone was mentoring and especially in this very extremely poor community that Jesus grew up in, that these trades were being passed on to others, uh, not just for the sake of, of making money, but for the sake of survival that people could, could continue to have a future. And so Joseph must have been a part of that mentoring process, and he was helping. But we see that he was an ordinary person. He's not a, a king. He's not royal. He's not a leader in the community, at least that we know of. There's nothing that is notable about Joseph other than what Matthew uh, and the other gospel writers put here. And that's just not a whole lot of information. And yet God called him to be a part of this great plan. If you look back here, you see that there is this dream that is taking place. And you can see it a little bit in this image, as well as the one in the the bulletin, that Joseph is asleep. And while he is asleep, uh, this angel comes to him. And in some of the uh, images or the icons or the paintings that you'll see throughout history, 
there is this tapping on the shoulder. And that's almost taking place here. Uh, it's, you know, like you're having to shake somebody to wake them up. And the angel is just wanting to speak to Joseph. And so there is this alert about a message that God has for Joseph. And we know that dreams are special. As we hear in Scripture, all the way through Scripture, we find uh, how powerful dreams are, that God can speak through them. And so this is the experience that Joseph is having. And we see that uh, even though it's an extraordinary experience, it's a very ordinary person that it is happening to. He gets tapped on the shoulder and invited to be a part of what God is doing in the world. The other day I was uh, traveling from somewhere and heard one of my favorite uh, radio programs, and it is uh, On Being, which is uh, Krista Tippett's uh, NPR program, and there's also a a podcast if you miss it on the, the radio. But she was interviewing Michael Longley, who is a famous Irish poet, and uh, has written a lot uh, out of the turmoil, uh, the uh, troubles, as he refers to them, uh, in Ireland as the Protestants and the Catholics in Northern Ireland were uh, killing each other and uh, continuing to fight until finally there was a ceasefire that took place and uh, really hasn't been that long ago. And he was talking about, or she was interviewing him about ordinary things, that he has beautiful poetry that comes in the midst of just the devastation and uh, all of the violence that he would see in the streets around him. And she has some really good questions that that she asked him, uh, but she comments on how he writes of the vitality of ordinary things to reassert the liveliness of ordinary things precisely in the face of what is hardest and most broken in society. This is what Michael Longley is able to do. This has been his gift to Northern Ireland as one of its foremost living poets. And she describes and asks him to read some of his poetry, but he talks about uh, just going out to look at a bird, walking down the street, Uh, headed somewhere, and all of a sudden he hears a bird sing. And he talks about just stopping dead in his tracks and uh, just being fixated on the song that this beautiful bird is singing in the midst of all of the violence and as bombs go off, as people are assassinated, this bird is singing the joy of God. He also talks about looking at a leaf on a fall day. And if you really want to write some poetry, go out on a day like today, maybe after it warms up a little bit, and maybe on your street or somewhere on a street right around here, you'll find the most beautiful yellow golden tree dropping its leaves. And if you go and just take the time, take a deep breath, Look at one of the beautiful leaves that has fallen to the ground that is just of majestic color. Begin to think about how God does beautiful things with the ordinary. If you look at these poinsettias, 
that Ray and Nancy have set up for us here this morning and that signify people that uh, we're remembering today and giving thanks for. If you just take a while and look at one of these bright red leaves, you'll begin to contemplate the majestic power of God in creation. Uh, Longley also talks about the uh, poets, not only of the troubles in Ireland, but how he admires those who wrote poetry in the midst of a Holocaust. How they would find the ordinary when, when every shred of humanity had been violated and lost, that all of a sudden th- there would be a sense of wonderment as someone would get a toothbrush. Something so plain and ordinary could have so much meaning and make such a difference in the world. Well, what God wants us to know and to learn from Joseph today is that God uses ordinary things. God uses ordinary people. And I think we are all, even though I think you're extraordinary, we would probably say of ourselves, I'm just a plain old person. I'm an ordinary person. What can God do through an ordinary person? Or we're just an ordinary church. What can God do with somebody like us? What kinds of things could actually happen as a result of our being here? Well, it's just a reminder that God views you as extraordinary. He really does. And I'll bet that as you go to work tomorrow, as you go to school, as you take exams, uh, as you go shop for Christmas gifts or whatever it is that you do this week, chances are that won't be the main thought on your mind. Wow, I'm extraordinary. And if it is, you'll start talking about it, right? And someone will tell you that you're not so extraordinary. But the first thought on God's mind is just how extraordinary you are. God has made you that way. God has made you to be uh, such a beautiful part of this creation. And that's how God saw Joseph. I don't know if Joseph ever saw himself that way. I, I get the feeling he didn't. He must have thought of how wonderful it was to have this, this son that everybody was talking about, that angels had referred to, that Mary would sing about, uh, that uh, people would come and bow down and bring gifts to. There was so much there that, that he had to think about. But I don't think he thought too much about himself. But this morning, you are invited to see yourself in the extraordinary way that God sees you this morning. What a difference it will make in your life if you're able to see just a bit of how God sees you. And to think that God could include you in His great plan for the world. This plan of love, as we lit the candle of love this morning, God includes us into that plan, even as we are ordinary. But as parts of God's plan, we are also to hear, like Joseph, we are accompanied by God. As we go out from this place, as we go out into the world, we go with God. And that's certainly what Joseph gets to hear from this angel. If you look back here at the scripture, it says that uh, her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. 
Now, he could have um, turned her in, so to speak. He could have uh, had her stoned uh, for her crime. Um, There are a lot of uh, terrible things that could have happened. But Joseph decided to keep this quiet and just kind of let it drift off. But it says, But the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord throughout the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. And as we sang this morning, uh, you remember that means God with us. And these people had been longing for God to come and be in their midst, to join them for the presence of God, to be with them and lead them onward. And so Joseph was hearing, this is what is going to happen. Uh, You are going to be a part of God's plan and you're not going to be alone. No need to be afraid. God is with you. In fact, that's what I want you to name your son. God is with us. And that's a pretty amazing name. The other day I was, there's my phone, having trouble with my truck, which uh, has happened a lot lately. And I, I want to say thanks to David Gordy because uh, David saved me. I feel like one of those Geico commercials or uh, on Bruce Longcar's, uh, or whatever his name is, um, attorney commercial that David Gordy saved me $4,100. Now, I, uh, that's what the garage was telling me. It had to get towed to the garage, having all kinds of trouble. And uh, so I was talking to David. David, uh, what can we do with this? Uh, probably going to have to get something else. It's not really worth me putting $4,100 into. And um, so he said, have my mechanic um, call, call the mechanic, and, and he'll pick it up, and he can take a look at it. And so he came by, got the keys, and uh, towed it off. And I got a call about an hour later, and he said, uh, uh, those people had no idea at the dealership what they were talking about. He said, uh, I can fix it in about an hour, and it's going to cost you $390. So uh, I was very excited and singing David's praises and uh, continue uh, to do so. But when it was towed uh, the first time, uh, actually when I was out of town, uh, the tow truck that I had arrived to come and pick it up, there was a, a, a message that I got back from the tow truck driver. And he says, <clears throat> excuse me, I dropped it off. He says, uh, be safe on your flight. God is with you. This is a tow truck driver thinking, what's going to happen to this plane? You know, <laughs> does he know something? I don't know. So I kind of got a little scared, but I thought, how cool that this guy, this tow truck driver, is saying God is with you. He didn't know me, but I'm pretty sure he knew Emmanuel because that's what he was saying to me. God is with you. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, just know God is with you. And as a part of God's plan in this world, as we join in with God in loving the world, which is a tremendous job to have, isn't it? It's difficult, it's stressful, 
It's challenging. What we are to hear is that God accompanies us as we go, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go back with our families, as we do the things that God has given us to do. We go with God. And that means that we need not be afraid. It just seems overwhelming how many times in Scripture it says, do not be afraid. And at one point I had them all counted up, and I can't remember. Um, It's like under a 1,000. So uh, there are tons of them, probably even more than that. But as you look at them, you'll see over and over again this command to not be afraid. Why is it that we're always afraid? If we know that God is with us, what else is there to think about? Why should we worry at all? Because God accompanies us wherever we go. Joseph also, as we see here, is a very willing participant. If you look back here, there is this point where he is getting ready to walk away, to just distance himself from Mary. Back then, when they were engaged... Uh, essentially, they were married. They were betrothed to one another. This did not mean that they, as uh, Matthew describes, had marital relations, but they were married. Uh, they lived in separate houses, and the ceremony that they would have would be the official way of showing that they were married, and then the uh, marriage would be uh, consummated. So, uh, Joseph has an opportunity here to get out of this, especially as a male. Females had no rights, and uh, so he's thinking, I don't want to shame her. She's a nice girl. I I don't want to ruin her life. And that's the point that the angel comes to him and directs him in another way. But it says, Matthew says, he was a righteous man. He was a good guy. He was trying his best to to follow in God's ways and trying to, to live out the rules, the laws of his religion, but he also understood God's love, that it would apply to Mary just as much as it would apply to him. And God shifts things a little bit and sends a messenger to say, look, this is, this is different, but this is all a part of my plan, and this is what I want you to do. Joseph didn't have to do it. He was free to make whatever decision he wanted to make. And we believe he made the right decision. As a part of God's plan for the world, we are free and willing participants, aren't we? God doesn't make us do anything. And we kind of like that. We, we are rebellious, aren't we? We like to do our own thing and like to make our own decisions and go the places that we want to go and make the choices that we want to make. God gives us that freedom, even the freedom to reject God outright and say, I don't believe in you, I don't believe in Jesus, and uh, I'm just going to believe in myself. But we see that we are free and willing participants in what God has called us to do. And that means that we're invited. When was the last time you were invited to something? It's kind of nice to be invited, isn't it? Get an invitation or... Uh, you get an evite, or you get a phone call, maybe a personal message, and somebody wants you to come somewhere with them or come to their house or whatever the case may be. There is such a, a beautiful thing when, when you're invited and, and you experience that 
feeling of identity. Somebody cares about me. Somebody knows that I exist and they want me to be a part of something. And that's how God reaches out to us. He invites us to be involved, not just in a relationship with God, but in a relationship with the world. And that also means that we have a decision to make. We probably have testimonies here this morning of how we have made the wrong decisions before. We know God's called us to do something, and we decided to do something different. Sometimes there are consequences to that. Uh, We go down the wrong road, and God just kind of lets us go that way. Again, He's not going to force us to do anything. Sometimes there aren't evident uh, consequences, but we just know we did the wrong thing. We chose incorrectly. But the good thing with God is God always gives us another chance, right? Aren't you glad for second chances and third and fourth and so many others? And God continues to invite us, but He says, you have a decision to make. I've got big plans for the world, great things that I want to do, and I want you to be a part of it. But you have to make that decision. You can miss out and be less than what I've created you to be, or you can sign up and come and join with what I'm doing in the world. I was watching the news this week with, uh, and, and just, uh, I guess, make all of you LSU people happy, um, which this probably doesn't make you happy, but Leonard uh, Fournette is, is not going to play in the bowl game, and um, he is, uh, I guess, one of the best players ever at LSU. Would LSU fans say that? Yes? Some of you are saying, who is Leonard Fournette? Um, but one of the, the things that uh, he is doing is getting ready for the NFL. He is preparing and decided to to wait. He's had injuries and some other problems. He's going to wait until April. He's going to get prepared and uh, be all ready to go. And it's it's a great honor for him in his junior year to be able to go into the NFL. If you think about... Uh, just the talent that he has. And the, the coach says that this is a tough decision for him, but he has such a bright future ahead. He says the Tigers are always going to love him and consider him one of their own. A bright future, yet a tough decision. As we think about the future that God has for our world, that God has for us as individuals in the world, We have a decision to make. May we choose, like Joseph, to go with God's plan, to be loyal and faithful and righteous as God has called us to be. Let us pray.